Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning, Church 214, again. I love the way that we do baby dedications. I just think it's an awesome picture of uh, unity in the, in the community of the church coming to, together to rally around young families and, and spur them on and encourage them to, to lead their families in a way that glorifies God. Now, since it was baby dedications this morning, uh, you may have been thinking that you weren't going to be blessed by the hearing of the, the word of God being preached, but today's your lucky day. You're going to get both. So, I want you to turn to Ephesians 5. Verse 23 through 25. And now as you're turning there, I'm going to uh, pray and then we're going to get started because we don't have much time and we'll see how long I go. Father, we just thank you uh, so much for this opportunity to come together. Lord, as a body of believers and and dedicate our sons and our daughters to you. God, we ask that you would just bless the families that are here, bless the children. God, I pray that you would use them for mighty things in your kingdom and in this city. God, I pray now that you would speak through this imperfect man, that you would take my words, that you would fill them with the power of your spirit. God, that they would go out and that they would accomplish what you have set them out to do. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to jump right in. Ephesians 5, 23 through 25. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now you're probably wondering, since it's child dedication morning, why am I preaching on a verse that most likely is, and most commonly is related to marriage? And The reason is because that Parents, and by the way, when I say parents, for the duration of this sermon, I'm talking to both young parents and old parents, because this word does not exclude you, okay? So you also have to listen. Sorry. You have to pay attention. The reason why I chose this is because parents, apart from God's personal love for your child, your marriage is going to be the most impactful relationship that they will ever experience. And so I know also that in the reading of this verse, Some of you might have some mixed feelings. Men, if when I read this verse, something inside of you went, finally somebody recognizes that I'm in charge. (laughs) Or if some sort of pride and, and indignant entitlement rose up in you that says, yes, I'm the one with the authority. That's chauvinism. And you're living in sin. Women, if when I read this verse, your blood pressure started to rise. If when I read this verse, a spirit of defiance started to well up inside of you. If something went through your head like, no man is head over me. I'm my own woman. I make my own decisions. The Bible condemns your feminism and your living in sin. Now, I, I want to be careful in the way that I say that because I recognize that for a lot of you, you probably have a good reason to 
feel that way or to believe that. And mostly it might be because that you had a relationship or, or some, some sort of dealings with a man who was in the first group. And unfortunately, he used that verse to justify his authoritarian rule over you. And so I'm sorry that you had to go through that pain. But that is not what the Bible is talking about. And I'm sorry that that was painful for you and you have that situation in your memory. But the Bible is still calling you to submit to what it says. And so what I want to do for a little bit this morning is I want to talk about what the biblical term of headship means. And hopefully it can bring some clarity to that tension. So men, as the head of your family, it is your God-given duty and your responsibility, not your right, and those are very different. It is your God-given duty and responsibility to create an atmosphere in your marriage and in your home that fosters physical, emotional, and spiritual flourishing. That is your role as head of your family. It is your God-given duty and responsibility to set an atmosphere in your marriage and in your home that fosters physical, emotional, and spiritual flourishing. That means in everything that you do, everything that you say, everything in your life is not to be devoted to your own pleasure, to your own plans, to your own hobbies. It's to be devoted to seeing your wife and your children flourish. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You see, as men, I think oftentimes we think that we're good at providing for our families. You know, we go to work and we work long hours and we bring, you know, the bacon home, so to say. So you provide for your family physically. Good. You're a third of the way there. You need to provide for them emotionally and spiritually as well. And in verse 23, the Bible compares your role as head to Christ's role as Savior of the church. That means that in your conduct, in the way that you approach your wife, in the things that you say to your children, in the way that you say them to your wife and your children, it should be the same way that Jesus treated the church. Not heavy-handed, not harshly, not short-tempered, not with a sense of indignant pride like I am the ruler of this family, but with grace, with patience, with love, and above all, with passionate self-sacrifice. You see, men, you are to give yourself up for her benefit and for the benefit of your children. And those are very simple words, but they have a very deep and powerful meaning. You are to give yourself up. You are giving yourself over as a sacrifice so that your children and your wife can flourish. It is a sacrifice. Men, you set the spiritual climate of your home. Are you making it difficult for your wife to submit to you? Are you making it difficult for your children to obey you? See, as I said, parents, apart from God's personal love for your children, your marriage will be the most impactful relationship that they ever experience, whether for good or for bad. And so, parents, if your marriage is failing, if it's hostile, if it's bitter, if it's spiteful, if it's vengeful, if it's resentful, if it's not a picture of Christ's love for the church, then you are damaging your children. Even your adult children. Again, I'm not just talking to young families here. And men, if this is happening in your family, the Bible and God holds you primarily responsible. 
And so you need to do the hard work of getting on your knees before God and humbling yourself and seeking his face and asking you for grace and patience and understanding and wisdom so that you can lead your family. You need to be the one that fights to fix it. You need to fight for your marriage, men. Women, you need to fight for your marriage. See, parents, you need to fight for your marriage harder than you fight for your children. And I know that that might not make sense to some of you and that might sound countercultural, but it's the truth. If you want to argue about it, you can come see me later or email at Holly Bennett at, or Holly Schaefer at Church 214 and I'll just delete it. So, <laughs> you need to fight for your marriage harder than you fight for your children. Maybe that means you need to clear up your schedule and make time for each other so you can build your marriage. Maybe you need to work in some date nights. Well, I, I, we don't have time for date nights. We have soccer and volleyball and hockey and dance and gymnastics and football. We have all these activities and we just don't have time. Pull them out of something. They don't have to do everything. Oh, we can't restrict our children. What if they never discover their passions? Or what if Jimmy never finds out that he could be a professional baseball player? First of all, if Jimmy is going to the majors, that will be on his talent and the talent that God has given him and his hard work and that will have very little to do with you. So, let it go. Secondly, if your children grow up doing a lot of activities but mom and, dad, mom and dad's marriage is suffering because of it, because they don't have enough time to spend with each other to grow their marriage, far more damage to your child than restricting them from some of those activities ever will in the first place. Having your child grow up doing a lot of activities, but his parents' or her parents' marriage is failing or under tension, or it's not healthy because they can't spend time with each other because they're lugging Lord knows how much crap around in their, in their van going to hockey and soccer and what have you. If they don't have that time to spend with each other, that will do far more damage to them than restricting them from some of those activities ever will have. Or maybe you need to work in more time to sit and read the word of God. To get on your knees in prayer and praise before him and seek his face and humble yourself and ask for wisdom and guidance in leading your family. But I they're just not enough hours in the day and you know we have all of those practices and all those activities that we were talking about and I just don't have the time. Maybe you just need to get less sleep. Ouch, that one hurt a little bit. Maybe you just need to get less sleep and men, I'm gonna come after you again. Men, as the spiritual leader of your home, you cannot afford to be lackadaisical or lazy about your spiritual walk. You cannot afford to miss this. If you are missing this, you are crippling your family. But like I'm already running on fumes and if I get less sleep, I'm gonna be even more irritable and more agitated and more short-fused than I already am. And that will not go well for my marriage or my parenting. Maybe. But maybe the reason why you have a short fuse or why you're angry all the time or why you're short-tempered is not because you're not getting enough sleep. It's because you're not spending enough time with your Savior. Let me tell you something, men. If you devote yourself to getting less sleep, 
to diving into God's word and pressing into him and listening to the spirit, he will give you all of the strength, all of the patience, all of the wisdom, all of the energy that you need to lead your family well. I promise you. When you devote yourself to an intimate relationship with God, your family will flourish. So parents, I have two things for you. We are to aspire to the perfection of our Heavenly Father. 1 Peter 1.16 calls us to be holy just as God is holy, and that certainly applies to our marriages and to our relationships with our children. So parents, I know that you love your children a lot, but God loves them perfectly. We are to aspire to his perfect love for our children. And I know that you think you know it's best for your children, and in some things you probably do, but God has a perfect plan for your child, and his guidance is perfect. We are to aspire to the perfection and the holiness of our Heavenly Father. Number two, when we fail, there is grace not only for you, but also for your children. You see, just like you, they have a Heavenly Father, a perfect Heavenly Father, who will not leave them, who will always do what is good for them, who is eternally patient with them, and that does not fluctuate with daily mood changes, who loves them perfectly and eternally. It is never-ending. You see, he is perfect in his discipline and his guidance, even when you're not. Let that bring you freedom in your parenting. He is perfect in his discipline and his guidance even when you're not. You see, we will have days where we feel like rock stars as parents, and we will have even more days where we feel like spectacular failures. Is your view of God so small that you think you can mess up so royally that you or your children are not beyond saving? There's an abundance of grace at the feet of Jesus. Single parent, this word is for you right now, so please look at me and pay attention. God sees you. He sees the struggles that you're going through. He knows the sleepless nights that you have thinking about all the things about your children. How are you going to provide? What about their dad? Who's going to be the father figure in their life? What about their mom? God sees you and he loves you. And he will give you a special grace to lead your family well. You see, God is going before you. He is fighting on your behalf. He is making provisions for you that you can't even see yet. Where the ideal is lacking, God will pour out his grace so thick that you'll have no choice but to accept that he is the one who sustains you. God loves to take people in terrible and imperfect situations and turn them into beacons of his grace. You see, there is no gap in your life, no situation so imperfect, no problem so insurmountable that God cannot fill it completely and totally redeem it. And so single parent, be encouraged this morning that God is fighting on your behalf. He is working for you. And so whatever struggles that you're going through, whatever fears that you have about the future, God has it. He is working for you. Now maybe you don't have a child up on the stage or that was up on the stage being dedicated. But as a member of this body of believers, God calls you as well to participate in the spiritual growth of these children. Turn to Titus 2, verses 2 through 6. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. 
Older women are likewise to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Women, you are called to teach what is good to the next generation, not just your own daughters. That spiritual responsibility falls on you. And so don't think that coming to church and going through the motions is going to get it done. The next generation of women will follow your example. And so is your example one that is idle or complacent or inconsistent? Or is your example one that builds up the church? That has an urgency to grow the kingdom of God that is full of joy. Men. We've already been through this, but the ultimate responsibility of the next generation of this church and the next generation of this city falls on our shoulders. That is our responsibility, that is our burden to bear. Do you treat your wife in such a radically loving way that the young women of the church see you and say, that's the kind of man that God has for me and I will accept nothing less? Do the young men of the church look up to you and say, when I'm around him, I feel a little immature? I have some growing up to do. He's so full of joy, so full of love, so full of hope, so full of purpose. I'm going to be like him. You see, man, if the next generation of this church and in this city is going to stand on our shoulders, then what sort of foundation are we laying for them? If the next generation of this church and of this city, if that burden is yours to bear, what sort of foundation are we laying for them to stand on? Now, whether or not you have a child or niece or nephew or grandchild being dedicated today, you are equally responsible for setting the culture of this church or the church that you attend every Sunday. The next generation will follow your example, and so the question is, what sort of example are you setting for them? Is it building up the church? Is it glorifying God? I think that oftentimes in churches, people in the older echelons or the older generations of the church are often nervous about what the next generation is going to bring. And it's in my opinion that oftentimes the level of uneasiness that you have is directly proportional to how much you've poured into them. And so if you're nervous about what's going on in your church, if you're nervous about the generations that will follow you, maybe you need to check your own heart and your own life and and try and think about what you can do to pour into the next generation, not just worry about it. You're responsible for the next generation, so what are you doing with that responsibility? Now maybe after everything that I've said this morning, you're saying, I'm trying to to do what you said, but I'm not perfect. I, I can't do it all. Or maybe some of these things you're hearing for the first time and you're saying, I'm so far behind, I have no idea where to start, I can't do it. Or maybe your children are grown and they're out of the house and you think that you've missed the boat or they're about to leave and you think you're missing the boat and you're saying, I can't do it. You're right. You can't. You are broken, you are fallen, and you are imperfect and you will and do fail daily. But here's the best news that you're going to hear all day. 
our God never fails. And he will give you all of the grace that you need to lead your family well, your young children and your adult children. You see, there is no failure so large. There is no oversight so massive, no situation so difficult, no past so damaging, and no future so impossible that God cannot conquer it completely with his love and with his grace and with his faithfulness. You see, God knows that in our own strength, in our our own wisdom, we are woefully inadequate to raise our children, to raise the next generation. But that's why he sent his son. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit so that our character and our wisdom and our parenting are not natural. They are supernatural. And again, despite all of God's help, we will still fail and we will still fall short. We will fail our kids, and this is simply where you need to trust God. See, as parents, I know that we struggle to some degree with mulling over our mistakes. And sometimes they can consume us and they can lead us towards anxiety. And ultimately, that saying to God, I don't trust you to pursue my children. See, I believe God relentlessly and ferociously pursues us. It's saying to God, I don't trust you to change them with the same grace that you changed me. You see, for all of our efforts and all of our parenting tricks and our perfectly planned and executed family devotionals, none of it will ultimately save our children. None of it. Yes, it can have a massive impact on their spiritual lives, and you need to do the hard work of tilling the soil of your child's heart so that it's ready and tender and receptive to the word of God and to the Spirit's call in their lives, but it will not save them. The only thing that will save your child, the only thing that will truly change their hearts is the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. It is the only hope for us and for our kids. The only thing that will save them is God's grace invading their hearts and transforming them by the power of God's spirit at work in the gospel. And so parents, let this bring you freedom. Yes, do the hard work of pouring into your kids. Men, do the hard work of setting an atmosphere that fosters physical, emotional, and spiritual flourishing. But God alone can save your children, not you. Let that bring you freedom. Let that bring you peace. God alone will save your children. And so what I want to do now is I want to come together as a church and visitors. I also want to invite you to participate in this as well. So if I could have all of the, the parents and the, and the children that were dedicated today just come forward up to the front here and go ahead and start making your way up. And I, I also want the rest of the church, if you feel so led, again, visitors, everybody else is welcome. What we're going to do is we're going to rally around them and we're going to pray over them. We're going to pray that God will give them all of the grace and all of the strength and all the wisdom and all the energy that they need to raise up the next generation of believers, the next generation of world changers, the next generation of people that will change Peoria, and I believe that so deeply. But more importantly, we're going to pray that God will pour out his spirit on our kids. Because he is their only hope. We're going to pray that God rescues our children from death to life just like he rescued us. 
And so we're going to come before him and we're going to ask for that. And after I've done praying, if, if you feel led to pray something specific over one of these families or you have a word of encouragement for them, you can do so among yourselves. And I just want this to be a time where we can rally around each other and spur each other on to seek God's face, to raise the next generation for Jesus. And the band is going to keep playing behind us and then they're going to play one more song. And that's going to be it for today. All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you for our children. God, they're such a blessing and a gift to us. And God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on us as parents. God, that you would equip us to raise our children in the way that they should go. To foster a love of your word for them. To foster an, an intimate relationship in their hearts. That you would give us the, the energy and the ability and the grace to till the soil of their hearts. That it is ready to accept your word. To accept the gospel. And God, I pray ultimately that you would save our children. God, we recognize that you are the one who saves. And so we ask now that you would pour out your spirit so thick on our children and on our families. God, that they would begin to hear your voice even at such a young age, beckoning them to himself, calling them out of their sin and into perfect perfection with the, with the Father, with the Savior. Calling them out of death to life. God, I pray that you would equip them for mighty works in your name to save this city and to save the nation and to save the world. God, I pray that you would do that in our families and in our children now in the name of Jesus and by the blood that he shed on the cross. God, we trust alone in you. Help us. Save us. Amen.